Good evening, everybody. As we begin the Bible study, uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we look to you this evening as we study the word. We pray the Spirit of God will minister to us at the point of our need. Speak to us, O Lord. Jesus, you said man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We pray today you will feed us with your word. Bless us together as we sit in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Studying the book of uh, Proverbs, and um, we we are basically we are studying uh, knowing the heart, how to know our heart because. In the Old Testament, the heart is the control center and uh, the wisdom literature speaks a lot about heart and how do we know the heart. And towards that end, we saw the first thing, how do we understand our heart? Because it's important that we understand. Now, only understanding the heart will not help us. That's only one part of doing the work. Now, having understood the heart, we know the heart is a complicated thing. So how do we reorder the desires of the heart? That's what we began last Wednesday, reordering desires. And we said that heart is trapped by desires, whether we uh, recognize it or not, there are desires. Um, in fact, our life, sometimes uh, we move by our desires. We are motivated by our desires. So the heart is trapped by desire. That's what we saw last Wednesday. And that's what Buddhism speaks about. The desire is the root cause of all suffering. Uh, but they don't have an answer as to how to overcome desire. Uh, they go to an extreme, the other end of the extreme. So once we realize trapped by desire, now since our heart is trapped by desire, is there a way that we can set right our heart? It is like, you know, you have all the vessels in the kitchen uh, spread all over the place. Is there a way you can arrange those vessels? The same way, is there a way we can arrange our desires? So today we are going to see about ordering desire. How do we order our desire? Uh, if, you, if you have read Augustine, probably Augustine is the one who speaks about his desire, ordering desires and all. Uh, so ordering desire is very important. The reason being the soul has an appetite, like the body has an appetite, the soul also has an appetite. Probably that's the reason Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone. Yeah, the bread is good for your body, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, because the soul has to be fed and that can be fed only with the word of God. So the soul has an appetite. Uh, we are drawn to good things that are satisfying. Uh, Unknowingly, knowingly, we are drawn to things that will satisfy us. And there is a natural inclination to move towards the good things. Uh, but the problem is, we should be careful about this because nothing besides God himself should be a non-negotiable necessity of life. Because this heart moves in different directions if you are not careful, God will be pushed aside and the things that we seek uh, will become prominent, preeminent in our lives. Uh, so we need to be careful. <clears throat> now, if you are outright wicked, probably we can uh, differentiate very easily. It's not that our heart uh, runs after 
so-called wicked things. Uh, our heart runs after good things, but in the process of running after good things, the heart has a tendency to sideline God from our heart. That's what we should be careful, and that is what we should take care of. Uh, so that is why ordering desire is an important thing. Every other enjoyment comes with the danger that we make it such. In other words, you know, if you are not, if you don't know how to enjoy God, we will be enjoying something else. And that comes, uh, danger is associated with such desires. In a small scale, in a bigger scale, there is a danger associated. If our primary enjoyment is in God, then we will be able to enjoy the rest of the things in the proper way. That's what the Bible says. So we should learn to enjoy God. Uh, the moment we start focusing our desires on a particular thing because we desire that thing. You know, the problem with that is that once we are uh, bent upon having a thing, because the moment we desire, you know, we, we can rewrite in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, uh, Eve saw the fruit and she liked it. She liked it. And the moment she liked it, she wanted to have it. And this, probably she wanted to have it in her hand and then she wanted to eat it. So that's the problem with the desire. Uh, because once we start desiring things, uh, the heart will say, we must have it at all cost. Like I said, that most of our desires are not outright evil or wicked. They'll all be good things. But if you are not careful, these good things can push God aside in our lives. That's why we need to be careful. And once our desires become strong, we lose the ability to evaluate things. In other words, we'll not be able to take proper decisions in life. Uh, that's why we need to be uh, careful. Uh, the fools will never find, they can never find their appetites being satisfied. They will run after several things, but they will never find their appetites being satisfied. It is only the righteous who have that blessing. Uh, they will have their uh, desires satisfied. Delight in the Lord and your, he'll grant you the desires of your heart. So it is the righteous people who have the blessing of the desires, uh, their hearts being satisfied with their desires. Uh, Isaiah 15, Proverbs 13, 19 says, your longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. Uh, you know, if there is something that is worthwhile, all through your life, you will never regret. That is God. He is the worthwhile object. That's the reason the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. God should be our ultimate desire, and he should be our ultimate focus. Then that will be sweet to the soul. Uh, but fools detest turning from evil because they don't want God. They want the desires of our hearts uh, to be fulfilled. So the righteous people will always experience uh, the joy of having their desires fulfilled. Now, Isaiah 53, 11 says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Are we, are we people who are satisfied? That's an important question we need to ask. Are, are we longing for something? Or is there dissatisfaction? We are never satisfied. It's important that we are satisfied. And that satisfaction can come only from God. Things of this world cannot satisfy us. Today, 
we may have something, we may think it will satisfy us within four days, four months, that will be out of fashion and the things will not satisfy us. It is God alone who can satisfy our hearts. Uh, Psalm 106.15 says, so he gave them what they asked for. What they asked for, they were asked for meat. He gave them meat. What happened after that? But sent a wasting disease upon them. Basically, the desires uh, end up in destruction. And that's what the, we see in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. In other words, he says that, you know, if you keep God away from your life and you give your eyes all that your eyes desire, uh, you give your heart, you refuse your heart no pleasure, what's going to happen? At the end of the day, it'll be everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, uh, nothing was gained under the sun. Uh, we have an interesting story. We all know the story of Balaam. You know, Balaam was somehow in his heart, he desired money. Uh, that's a very interesting story. And it has got a lot of lessons for us. His desire for money was so strong. Despite that, Balaam says in Numbers 23.10, who can count the dust of Jacob? Our number even a fourth of Israel, let me die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. You know, you could see that, you know, these people are special people. They have been blessed by God. I wish I also have life like that. But at the end of the day, because he had that evil desire, um, his death will be uh, different. That is because he was unrighteous. And that's what Peter, referring to Balaam, he says in 2 Peter 2.15, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. Basically, it's all about ordering our desires. If our heart is not ordered well, our heart is no different from Balaam's heart. So how can we desire God above all other things? How can we desire God above all other things? You can unmute yourself and you can answer. How can we desire? Uh, I'm sure all of us will say that I would like, I would, I would like to love God more, or I would like to desire God more than what I'm desiring at the present. So my question is, how can we desire God above all other things? You can unmute yourself and you can answer, how can we desire? Have you ever thought about it? I want to desire God more. Sir, by constantly being in touch with him and never leaving just like that. Thank you, sister. Con constantly being in touch with God. Very seriously. A serious pursuit of God. Thank you, sister. Anyone else? Uh, by being... Sorry, go ahead. Go on, Deepa. Yeah, by being uh, disciplined 
by being disciplined yes uh, pastor uh, understanding uh, the vanity of other things understanding uh, divinity of other things vanity of all other things vanity of all other things yes all other things cannot satisfy if there is one thing that is supreme that is god so just realizing that and being aware of it and just going after that anyone else yeah i'm just uh, <clears throat> you know in the greek philosophy uh, we all i'm sure we all must have uh, we must have studied about plato uh, plato was the student of socrates and plato and socrates all of them have written a lot of things uh, so it is good to uh, follow them uh, somebody said by obeying his commandments we can desire god above all other things okay what plato said is plato said uh, act, plato you know his period was sometimes between 428 to 347 bc but what we have the wisdom literature is uh, much much before that what plato said is actions flow from thinking actions flow from thinking uh, did we study this when we studied understanding the heart this is what plato said this is plato's uh, word actions flow from thinking when we studied understanding the heart did we study something like this actions shape the heart we studied yeah yes the uh, in this particular case it is the heart shapes the actions the heart shapes the actions because it says actions flow from thinking so the thinking uh, in the old testament is associated with the heart so the heart shapes the actions so when people read plato they say oh see what a great thing he has said all these things are in the bible and that's what they write and plato's student was aristotle plato said actions flow from thinking and his student was aristotle and he was the teacher of alexander the great and he said our thinking is shaped by our actions and this is what we studied action shaped the heart now th this is what they have said in 3rd uh, and 4th century uh, bc and we said the great greek philosophers they have said great things uh, this is what they say but in the wisdom literature we have already said proverbs uh, says that both are right the heart shapes the actions action shapes the heart how can we desire god above all other things we need to do some actions and we should also take care of the heart uh, that's why we find in proverbs 23 17 and 18 do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the lord there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off in other words um, use your mind to think sometimes we think that uh, christianity is all about you know not using mind it is just our emotions not at all uh, the bible commands us to use our mind to think and when we start thinking you know um, like roshan said that all other things are just vanity so it comes out of thinking observing so as we observe as we see as we read we find all other things all will last only so long as we are in this world it has limited utility god alone you know even after we leave this world uh it is god alone who makes sense so we need to think as we start thinking uh we always find there is a future hope there is a future hope for those who think so what should we do 
we should set the heart on God. And what do we do in prayer and worship? And the more we sit in prayer and more we worship God, we don't just uh, leave it just like that. We should experience um, awe and wonder. There's no one like this God. We must come to a place where he becomes supreme. And we just stand in awe. Oh God, how great is my God. Till we come to that place, this heart will always be seeking something else. Uh, just religiosity alone will not give us satisfaction. Um, it is much more than that. It is not even by following rules and regulations. Yeah, we follow commandments, but it is not that. It is much more than that. Why we follow commandments? It is because this great God, he came down, he came to this earth, and he died for me on the cross, and he has forgiven my sins. He died for me. And as we keep thinking on that, meditating on that, we have no words to praise him, to thank him for what God has done for us. So we need to come to a place where God becomes supreme and we stand in awe and wonder of God. It is then we are, we are zealous for the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not like the Muslims also fear their God. Uh, Jews also fear God. Uh, so they obey commandments because they fear God and they realize that if they don't obey those commandments, God will punish them. That is not the fear of the Lord. But for us, when we look at the cross, God's love and his mercy, they move us. They just draw us closer to him. And that's the fear of the Lord. It is, that's what we call as fear of the Lord. And because of that, we obey. We obey all that God wants us to do. It's not because out of fear. It is just out of love. We want to just express our gratitude to him. What can I do for my God? It is that attitude which sets our will on obedience. That's the reason, do not let your heart envy sinners. You know, we should be very careful. Uh, our heart will always have a tendency to envy sinners. Sometimes you observe that, you know, they have no struggles. Their life, it appears as though everything goes smoothly. No challenges. You see their family, no relationship challenges. Uh, if you talk about their health, they're hale and healthy. If you talk about finances, they're financially very sound. But the Bible says, don't let your heart envy sinners because the heart has a tendency to compare. And the Bible says, don't compare. So what we do need to do is, uh, because we keep asking God for various things, instead of, it's not wrong, to ask God. If you don't ask God, who else will be asked? But in addition to asking God, we should also learn to praise God and we should learn to adore him. Our prayer is not about just giving him a shopping list. Uh, we should just praise him for who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, because if you keep giving the list alone, uh, unknowingly we will start falling in love with the things because every day there is something we lack and every day we'll be giving the list. But prayer is not just asking for things, it's also for communing with our loving God, worshiping him, 
adoring him, giving him glory for who he is. And it is in that kind of adoration, our heart is transformed. Our desires will be changed. And we will say, oh Lord, if only I can hear your voice, if only I can be in your presence, that's enough for me. Uh, the heart will be transformed as we start adoring and worshiping him. And we, have, we need to say prayer, Lord, help me. Help me, oh Lord, just to adore you, to worship you, to give you glory. There's nothing wrong in asking, but asking alone should not be our prayer. Prayer should also be uh, adoration, word praise should also be part of our praying. Um, so we find that a person's life depends on finding his drives and appetites satisfied. My drive, when our drive becomes, you know, is for God, and God alone can satisfy that. And when he satisfies that, we will not run after the other things. But the problem with the fool is a frustrated fool. He will keep running from one thing to another thing. He will never be satisfied. Whereas a righteous man, he will grow from strength to strength because his desires are satisfied. Now, we saw that our heart is trapped by desires. And we said that ordering our desire, we need to order our desire um, because action shapes the heart, heart shapes the actions. So our, we should order our desires properly and God should be our uh, primary desire. Now let's see what the uh, world people say, you know, what, what the social science people say, we will see that also. Because uh, Proverbs is not only, you know, he's a man who has observed a lot of things that's happening in the society, and he has given us the wisdom. So let us see the sociology of desire. Basically, sociology means how do we study human societies? And this man has studied because he has observed so much. Uh, he also speaks about this. What he says is, uh, the kind of friends you have or the kind of things uh, that you spend a lot of time with. Uh, in the present day uh, world, it could be our mobile, it could be being on the YouTube, uh, being just reading the newspapers, news channels, browsing the news channels, uh, so the more time we spend with these things, it'll unknowingly, it'll influence us. Unknowingly, we will start desiring these things. So we need to be careful. I remember one of the CMC doctor, I think when one of his TED talks, he says that as a student, um, he used to study uh, novel, uh, so what he said was, uh, as a student, he was very fond of reading novels, but when the climax came, he will just close the book and he will go. He says, that's the way I developed my self-control. When he wanted to know what's going to happen, he said, I'll just close my book and I'll go. So that's the way that's the way we control our lives uh, here basically with the kind of friends uh, we have uh, in proverbs 24 1 to 2 it says do not envy the wicked do not desire their company now whenever we read this word wicked let us not think they are outright wicked people in the sense you know, the thieves, murderers. Yeah, they all come in that category, but in the wisdom literature, it is basically people who don't have uh, anything to do with God. They don't care for God. They don't have God as the center of their life. They are called as the wicked people. They could be highly educated. They could be highly accomplished people. 
Uh, they could be highly talented people, but the Bible says, do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence. You know, without God, there is a, some kind of violence within our hearts. Uh, the evil has the inherent quality of destroying oneself. Uh, it is inherent. It, it, it comes with a package. When we have evil in our heart, the destruction is inherent with that evil. It's part of that package. So their hearts plot violence means we realize, you know, we all, when we look back and we think about our own lives, we can say that, God, you saved me. You saved me. Because the path on which I was going, I can see that it would have just led me to my ultimate destruction. It was taking me towards the path, towards the path of destruction. It was destroying me. So that is wickedness. And their lips talk about making trouble. They boast about themselves. They say, how can we make more money? It's all, it's all about uh, with what kind of people do we spend our time? If you want our heart's desire to be right, then our friendship, uh, the friends also uh, should be, we should choose our friends carefully. That's what we find in Psalm uh, 1 and 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, now, why is it easy to envy mockers and cruel people? Why? Why do we desire to walk in the counsel of the wicked? Or why do we want to stand in the way of sinners? Or why do we want to sit in the seat of mockers? What draws us closer to them? Are we drawn closer to them or not? I said, when, we are, when you see this word wicked, uh, don't associate this word wicked with outright uh, evil people. Now, why is it easy to envy mockers and cruel people? What draws us closer to them? What attracts us to these evil people? Don't you think that just we should be, um, you know, we should not be attracted to them? But the Bible says the heart of man is inclined towards these wicked people. Why? Probably because when we desire that, um, we also have the same desires. We what want desires? to have what, we what, want what they have. What do they have? Uh, things, material things, wealth. Yes. Deep inside, we have the same desire. So that's why we envy them. Yeah. Our desires, uh, we realize that there is a commonality between what they have and what our heart desires. Uh, often you will find these people are successful. They are accomplished people. They have a lot of property. But they are also quite ruthless. They don't care for you know, any kind of ethics. Uh, they, they have a lot of things and our heart desires. Uh, see, they have this. See, they have achieved this. See, they have made this. So the natural tendency of the heart is to be attracted towards the wicked people because they always seem to be very successful in this world. They can get... Uh, things done. Uh, they are quite smart and uh, they have a lot of things to throw around, to show us. So our heart desires those things. So Bible says, do not envy the wicked. Uh, though they may appear to be very successful, uh, be careful. So in other words, uh, if we start desiring them, or if you start spending time with them, unknowingly, 
our hearts will also be shaped by what they have and what they desire and what they do. And if we want to guard our heart, we need to be careful. The kind of programs that we are watching, the kind of ads that we are seeing, the kind of um, uh, advertisements we are seeing, uh, shopping, the kind of things we are looking. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful about the social media, news media, and the streams of advertisements that are being flooded into our homes every day. We should be careful. So, but we, if we have good people who can, godly people who can challenge us, us to a higher level, that's why we grow in a community. We don't grow in our Christian life all alone, being isolated. We need people who will take who will take us a step higher we need people who are a step higher than us so that we are inspired we admire them and we desire to be a step higher to reach their level and we also should be to our friends like that we should be able to influence them to a higher level not that we belong to their level we should be able to speak into their lives, lives of uh, words of life, so that we can draw them uh, higher. And now, if somebody is smoking, and if you find somebody who doesn't smoke, um, that person can influence the person who is smoking. He can speak to him, and probably because of this association, it will help him to give up smoking. I'm telling about ordinary things. If somebody is very particular about um, physical fitness, he goes for jogging in the morning and he is your friend, you will be influenced by him. Let me also run with him. Or at least let me also do some physical activities. So we need to be careful. And that's the way we grow in our, in our spiritual life. Uh, people who pray, uh, they can inspire us. They have that spirit of prayer. So they inspire us. So we can also desire, I also would like to pray like that. Uh, because our individual identity should also match with the community identity. In other words, the kind of life that we desire, if our friends also desire, it will be easier for us to go along with our friends towards that common goal. And if it is God, so you can understand how beneficial it will be to each other and how wonderful it will be to each other. One can grow in the company of godly people. In the school, if children have good friends, you know, who have good values, they can grow together. But if all their friends from morning till evening, they only speak all kinds of filthy language, unknowingly or knowingly, it'll just, you know, we start registering in our minds. So that is why the sociology of desire is very important. With what, you know, from morning till now, what all work we have done, we have worked office work, what kind of conversation we had, what kind of things we saw, what was in our mind. That's the way we reorder our desire. That's, that's a work we need to do. Now we come to the next thing, the fourth one. I said our hearts are trapped by desires. Since our hearts are trapped by desires, we have to order desire. And we saw the sociology of desire. The fourth one is approval. How many of you think that approval from people is important? Is it important or not important? Do you seek approval or not? Yes, it is important. It's not important at all. 
it is not important at all. Yes, thank you, sister. Uh, Deepa said it's important. Okay. Anybody else? We seek approval, Pastor. We seek approval. Why do we seek approval? Because it is important. Yeah, we'll, we'll study that. Approval. We seek approval. Uh, now, now, because we are studying about the heart, if you want to order our heart to its proper shape or bring our heart to its proper shape, we should first try to find out where our heart is already committed. Once we find where our heart is already committed, uh, then we can try to take necessary remedial measures because we want our hearts to be committed to God. So first we need to find out where our heart is committed. So uh, we will be studying all these things in detail. Uh, these four main things, approval, comfort, power, and control. Okay, all these four things have the tendency of replacing God from our lives or at least taking the place of God. They are called as God substitutes. Approval, comfort, power, and control. Uh, that is why uh, most of the time it has to do with our upbringing. Uh, so we have to see uh, what do we do with this approval? Knowingly or unknowingly, we all want to be approved. We want to be applauded. Uh, that's the human heart. But what is the problem with that? So the first thing we seek is human approval. Uh, the wise man says in Proverbs 29, 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snake, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Um, the fear of man is a trap, so we have to be careful. Now, the Bible clearly says, don't look for human approval. Let it not be your primary motive. If human approval comes, in the course of time, it's okay, but let that not be your primary motive because you do everything so that your action is approved. Now, why should we not look to human beings more than to God for approval? Why? The, the wise man says, don't look to human beings for approval. So if the wise man says, don't look to human beings for approval, then the question is, why should we not look to human beings more than to God for approval? What are the problems? It can be biased or uh, deceptive. It can be biased or deceptive, okay. And God is perfect in everything. There's, that's why we look at him. Okay, we get the right things, right answer, and peace within us. Yes, God is perfect. Okay, what else? Why should we not look to human beings? Human beings change, Pastor. Human beings change? Is that the reason? Uh, human beings, of course, they change from one day to the next day. Uh, but what there is serious problem when we look we, at human we will beings, be drawn away from God yeah. if you look for look look to human beings for approval, Pastor. Yeah, can you just repeat it, Sister Cynthia? We'll be drawn away from God. We can we start be, looking to. We can be drawn away from God. Now, let me just quickly highlight some of the problems. Uh, if we look to human beings more than to God for our worth and value. Uh, I'm not saying that human being, we should not be uh, you know, not concerned about approval. 
uh, if you're working in a place, you need to be concerned about your project being approved, your work being approved. I'm not talking about that. But when that becomes your primary motive, then there are serious problems. The first problem is uh, we will be trapped by anxiety. You know, when we did that um, workshop, uh, toy, tool, and technology for children, when we did that, uh, those of you attended, you remember that children have anxiety because when they post something on their Facebook, they keep looking for approval. How many people have given the thumbs up? So they have come out with the word of, you know, they develop a symptom known as uh, FOMO, which they call fear of missing out. Uh, you see, they become anxious. Uh, you know, their lives are driven by all the thumbs up. If, if I get so many thumbs up, I'm great. If everyone says thumbs down, then they have anxiety. Children have serious problems. So when we look to human beings for approval, unknowingly we'll be trapped by anxiety. It could be our own spouse. We should do our best, but our life should not be bound by the approval of human beings. If that is the case, we will be trapped by anxiety. Now, if we are in that category, we will always, we would like to please others. Our entire focus will be to please human beings. And let me assure you that we can never satisfy human beings, never. You can satisfy them for a day, but we can never satisfy them forever. So there'll always be that constant burden to please others. Uh, that is the reason sometimes people are not able to withdraw from exploitative relationships. The fundamental problem is they're seeking approval. Uh, there are cases where the wives, they, they are physically abused, but they don't want to leave that home. Somehow they want that approval and they're unable to withdraw from exploitative relationships. When we look for approval from human beings, we cannot take criticism. And if we are not ready to take criticism, we will never grow. Now, if you are looking to human beings for approval, uh, we will not be able to stand for our convictions. There comes a time, sometimes we, as children of God, we have to take a stand. Uh, people around us may have a different idea but because we are children of God, we need to take a stand. We, we have to tell them, it's not possible. I don't think I can do this. I don't think it's right. And that stand we'll be able to take, provided we don't seek for approval from human beings. Otherwise, the superiors can manipulate the subordinates. So approval becomes an idol in our life, an idol as the inherent strength to destroy us. So we need to be careful. If our, we need to look to God for approval. Uh, if you are looking for approval, our feelings will be easily hurt. So what do we do? we overwork because we have to be accepted. We have to be approved. If you are not approved, then we have lost our value. Now, when we fear man, 
it takes different shapes whether we realize it or not you know there are parents who are afraid to discipline their children because of this i am not talking about children i am talking about parents who are afraid to discipline their children because they want to be good parents to their children so they are not because they seek their children's approval so they they cannot correct their own children so we have to be careful so how can we overcome the fear of men we have to overcome so how can we overcome in acts 529 peter and the other apostles replied we must obey god rather than human beings so god must be supreme in our lives whether people approve or not is not our primary motive whether god approves or not that is our primary motive the only thing that we can come out of this fear is by having a intimate relationship with god we know how much god loves us and because we know of his unconditional love even if people reject us it is still okay with us because god loves us so it is only that belief it is that awareness that can help us to overcome this tendency to get approval from men even in first john 418 there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love so when we are secure in god's love when we know how much god loves us we can say like in hebrews 13:6 so we say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can mere mortals do to me what can mere mortals do to me so we we need to ask whose approval is functionally more important to me than god's is it people around me have to approve or i am more concerned with what god says about me so we have to see ask god god what do you want me to do i'm here to fulfill your wishes not people's wishes and and only when we look to god and when god is our supreme being and he is our master and we work for him will be able to overcome the fear of men this is something serious the fear of men is something serious uh, sometimes we have we have not even realized it unknowingly uh there there are tendency for children they always sometimes they grow up in a home where they always want to get the approval of parents and they will do anything just to get their approval it's okay as children it's not okay as an adult so we need to work on that tendency so now today it will be parents tomorrow it will be the friends and the friends will start manipulating and day after it will be the spouse so we have to be careful uh and parents also should try to help children to overcome uh this kind of attitude approval we all seek approval uh let me read something from i think uh, from matthew uh it's it's very simple this is what jesus said sometimes when we read we think it's all highly technical is it true that is it important for us uh, to do this Uh, be careful this is jesus is telling you know in sermon on the mount matthew chapter 
be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And then it goes on to say, when you give to the needy people, and then when you pray, when you fast, uh, the human, normal human tendency is when we give, we want others to know it. Uh, Jesus says, be careful. When we pray, again, see prayer, even in our prayer, we want others to see, see we are praying. That's a human tendency, fasting. And Jesus says, be careful. Don't look for approval and applause from others. Uh, do everything in secret. Your father who sees all this in secret will reward you. That's very important for us. When we have this kind of attitude, it'll give, it'll liberate us. There'll be, you know, when we say freedom in Christ, what is that freedom? This is the freedom that we don't look for approval from men. We look for approval and we know God has already approved us. While we were at sinners, he died for us. And it is God's approval that gives us that freedom. And that's how we grow in Christ. But if you are too concerned about what people think of me, uh, that's, that's not a good attitude. We have to learn to live securely in God's approval, and especially in a society, Indian society, what others will say, what others will think about me. It is not what others will think about me. It is what God thinks about me. That is important. And only when I come to that place, um, I'll be free from fear of men. And that gives me confidence. And that sets, that keeps my heart in the right shape. Our heart should be in the right shape. Uh, so when I know that God has approved me, uh, my heart will be in the right shape. Uh, next week, we'll talk about uh, comfort. Um, so today we are just, uh, we have seen these things. Any questions you have? Uh, sir, you said um, uh, about children. It's okay with children if they are trying to seek approval, not good for adults. And uh, um, uh, is it not possible that children uh, grow up with such an attitude and when they become adults, they do the same thing? So should the parents do something about the children, uh, not, not to seek approval or guide how to guide them? I said when children become adults, they carry that same attitude and they look for approval from their friends because as children, they were seeking approval from their parents. And that's why the parents should be able to correct their children. The, it is, it is the parents should be aware when they bring up their children. Uh, they, sh they should be, you know, every time it's not that parents approval that matters. Uh, so parents should have should should become conscious. Um, in fact, um, when parents love, uh, you know, when, sometimes when parents love, uh, that love, you know, they almost love almost as though they are God, and that love becomes demonic. Uh, it is it is it's very sad. Uh, because their love for their children is so strong and they almost act as though they are God. And when they do that, that love becomes demonic. So as parents, when they bring up their children, they should be very careful. They're, they're, they have their own identity and we should nurture it. And uh, this kind of a selfish love uh, we possess our children. We don't possess our children. God has just entrusted his children to us and we should nurture them. It is, there's so much about parenting. 
that comes into play. Uh, but uh, most of the time it is parents who say, if you do like this, what your friend will say. If you do like this, what your friend will say. See, you are unknowingly the parents are inculcating in their children that they should be concerned about their friend's approval. So it is, it is that, the, so approval is an, basically an idol. Uh, we do things because human beings will approve us. And that has got a tendency to displace God from our lives. Yeah, with approval, we can almost, we can write a book uh, in psychology, we can write a book on approval, uh, but just being aware that God's approval is more important than human beings' approval. Uh, anybody? Yes. yes I please. think this will lead us, you know, the, the, the desire for approval from others can even lead us to a place where uh, you know, we shut uh, the disapproval from people. We will not be able to tolerate, intolerant of when people do not approve us or people don't uh, think the way we think or, you know, they don't do the things that we desire. I think we will be, become sh completely, uh, you know, completely turmoil. Yeah, there's a lot to study from Paul as to how he um, ministered. Uh, because uh, that's where, whether in the ministry or in other places, uh, this kind of leadership is not what the Bible recommends or Bible advocates. Uh, we have taken it almost from the government, hierarchical structure and all those things. Uh, that's, yeah, that's mm -hmm. altogether a different subject, Pastor. Yeah. Any, anyone else has any questions? Reordering our, yes, yes. Uh, we were talking about children right now. Up to what age children are regarded innocent and God forgives them? Up to what age? It has come into my mind many times. Uh, let's, let's leave it to God. God is a gracious God. Uh, we cannot fix age for God. You know, God forgives us at the age of 60 also. Uh, so we will, I think we will go wrong in that way. Uh, God forgives all of us. So instead of saying that, this is okay, that's okay, up to this age, it's okay, up to that age. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to have that uh, demarcation like that. God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He forgives us. Uh, but uh, we leave it to God's mercy. So we are, we are not talking about Forgiveness, we are just talking about bringing up children uh, because they develop a personality the way we bring them up. Pastor, if we don't want the approval, but uh, uh, if we refuse anything uh, because of ourselves, they say you are not having that uh, love. You are not loving us enough. So you have to do more to us. Yeah, like that. That, yeah, that, that's the reason they are trying to manipulate and they are trying to uh, exploit. Uh, they are trying to put us on the guilt trip. Uh, we should always look for approval from God. Uh, if, we, if we start looking for approval from human beings, uh, they can say that, see, that day I did this for you. Why can't you do this? Even in helping? whatever is possible we should do but only what will please God that's why I said when parents when they love their children as though they are like God that becomes demonic we are human beings and we we should we have relations 
like children, spouse, everybody. Everybody has a place, but God has an ultimate place. And anytime we try to shift our eyes little away from God, somebody else becomes God in our lives. Our worth doesn't come because of what my spouse says. My worth doesn't come because of what my child says. My worth doesn't come because of what God says. What is gospel? Gospel is all about God has approved me. While I was at sinner, he, was, he died for me. We have to receive this love and we need to come and stand in awe of this God. And whatever pleases this God, we should do. And we should not be bound by what human beings, because human beings will always keep us in bondage. We will never be able to do enough in anyone's life. You know, somebody said that, um, you know, when somebody dies, we go and we start mourning. Oh, we can do, we would have done something more for this person. You know, even after doing our best, still if somebody dies, still we will say, I wish I could have done much, little more. We are human beings, we are limited. So we have to accept that uh, reality. Okay, we can keep thinking about this because we'll be studying about approval, comfort, control, and power. These four are very important, especially in an Indian context. They all function as idols in our lives. They displace God from our lives. So we need to be careful. Pastor Prem, can you please say closing prayer? Father, we thank you for this wonderful study, helping us, Lord, through your word to see, check our own lives, the way we were brought up and the way we have handled our children. Father, we are not perfect people, but we thank you for your word that reveals uh, not only our imperfectness, but it also corrects us. Father, your word is there for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness. And we, your children, as we learn, Lord, and receive this uh, rebuke and correction, Lord, train us in your word that we may live a life that is pleasing to you. Father, and help us as adults to be very careful to desire you more than anyone else and anything else in this world. Father, help us to keep, Lord, a check in our hearts, Lord, in our minds, uh, Lord, to what do we give more importance? Is it people, money, fame, position, or something else, an approval, Lord, from people? We pray that we will bring everything under your control. We will be linked to you fully, Lord, and we will receive the fullness of life, Lord, that our families, we, Lord, the parents, uh, the grandparents, and uh, Lord, the people are going to be parents in the future. Lord, we will learn from your word and our lives will bring glory to your name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. Bless pastor, shield him, cover him and continue to use him, Lord, for teaching us from your word. In your hands, we commit ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.